Rebag is a luxury resale marketplace. They have a curated collection of investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry. Each piece is carefully vetted and verified by experts. You can buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Hermes, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com to get 10% off your first purchase with code REBAG10. That's Rebag.com to get 10% off your first purchase with code REBAG10. Hello and welcome to the Betches Up Podcast. I'm Brian Russell-Smith. I'm Amanda Duberman. And the Betches Up Podcast is your bi-weekly rundown of all the crazy shit that's happened in the news explained by your two funniest friends. Which is us. And today we're talking about the queen is pissed. Which candidate just dropped out of the race. And Bernie and Liz are fighting. Let's get into it. Betches Media presents. Like beer, I don't know if you do. Okay. Do you like beer, Senator, or not? Um, Mom, I want a vape. <laughs> Nude pictures of Trump. Come on now. Don't mess with me. The Betches Sup Podcast. How dare you? Are mom and dad fighting? It sounds like Let's get it. into it again, Brian. Has oh been gosh. since Thursday. Oh my gosh, I know. Yeah, great. There's always plenty. Yeah, Elise is, Elise is supposed to do the podcast today with Amanda, um, but she's not feeling very well. Elise has a huge event tonight with uh, Gloria Steinem. Mm-hmm. Watch our stories, actually, because I'll be on the red carpet asking red carpet people questions. questions namely yeah. Just Gloria Steinem. Yeah. <laughs> but everyone is there. Michelle Buteau is going to be there. Mm-hmm. So Elise is in a lineup with Michelle Buteau. We have legit comedians on this show, people. Yeah. For, for real. Yep. Um, Amanda. What's getting you through this week in Trump's America? Funnily enough, Sarah Huckabee Sanders is getting me through. Mm. Um, I was going to do something else press secretary related for mine because I was reading this morning that um, a bunch of former press secretaries wrote an open letter to the current one whose name is Stephanie Grisham being like, yo, this is like the main part of your job. You haven't had a press briefing in mm-hmm. it's like 300 days. Um, but then I remembered as I was looking into that, I uncovered this gem from Thursday all the way back to last Thursday. So Sarah Huckabee Sanders Noted press secretary is probably queuing up for a gubernatorial run in Arkansas Mm. to to have Bill Clinton's old job. Yeah. She went on Fox News last week as the House was considering what we talked about last week, passing um, a resolution that would limit the president's ability to go to war with Iran. And so she was on Fox News talking about that. They did pass that in the House. So it's it's there. She said on Fox News that she couldn't think of anything dumber than allowing Congress to authorize war, mm. uh, which is very curious given that the U.S. Constitution specifically gives them that power. I could think of a, a couple of things that are there dumber are than that. There are a couple things that might be a little bit dumber. Should we <laughs> listen to her say this? Because she's so confident when she says it. Yeah. Sarah, uh, the president said yesterday the U.S. is ready to embrace peace. He's calling for more economic sanctions on Iran's already struggling economy. He did say that Iran is standing down. So why is the House putting up this resolution to try to limit the, the president's powers? Uh, You know, I can't think of anything dumber than allowing Congress to take over our foreign policy. They can't seem to manage to get much of anything done. I think the last thing we want to do is push powers into Congress's hands and take them away from the president. Really, Sarah? You can't think of anything dumber than that? Like, just like pro tip, if you're a politician, don't use extremes like that. Because if you're wrong, you sound even dumber. Yeah, exactly. Like that statement is much dumber. Right. Like that's a statement that they should show in like media training classes to like never do. Never say, I I really can't think of anything dumber. Yeah. You know what? Um, I'm all for women keeping their maiden names after they get married. However, I feel like 
she really wants people to know that she comes from a political family. Yeah. I feel like I see it interchangeably. Like sometimes yeah. it's Huckabee Sanders, sometimes it's Sanders. It's like when I it feel suits like now, her. Right, right. She'll definitely be using it when she's like running for, for Arkansas governor. Yeah. But yeah. I mean, Article 1, Section 8 of the U.S. Constitution states plainly that Congress has the power to, this is the quote, declare war, <laughs> grant letters of mark and reprisal and make rules consuming captures on land and water to raise and support armies, to make rules for the government and regulation of the land and naval forces, all that shit. Mm-hmm. So then I guess she finds the U.S. Constitution to be a pretty uh, questionable document, which would make sense. It would be in line with what her former boss seems to think. Yeah, totally. Ugh, what's getting you through? Well, the Queen and the other royals are back in the presses. So, okay, as we all know, Meghan Markle and Prince Harry, they said that they're leaving their roles as senior Royals or whatever the fuck that means. Um, And so it seems like the queen and them are set or or had a summit today to talk through Prince Harry and Meghan Markle's new roles. So Meghan Markle gets to keep her same last name, too. That's interesting. Yeah. What what is her last name again? The Royals? They have one. Windsor, right? Windsor. Yeah. Yeah. So she's not I guess she's not Meghan Windsor. I guess not. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah, that's true. I mean, I don't think anyone was ever going to. I mean, what's nobody refers to Kate. Yeah. What even was Middle, Middleton? Middle, duh. People Sorry, guys. I know. That's true. That's true. But who's going to look over Sussex now that... I mean, maybe that's what they're going to do in their part-time. Like, yeah. Who's going to look after Dad's Sussex? Dad's going to go on a business trip. That's the question. Okay, anyways. Yeah. So apparently this is the first time the entire family has uh, discussed face-to-face. Um, Megan is already back in Canada with she Archie, fled. her son. She fled. You know what I was thinking when I heard that? I was like, do you watch Handmaid's Tale? Yes. You know, like when they get to Canada, mm-hmm. when they do flee and they're like, that's what I imagine. She gets mm-hmm. to Canada and she's like, oh, obviously there's a real refugee crisis in this world and I'm not making a joke about it. But yeah. it's funny that like she literally fled to Canada immediately. I'm curious as to how she flies. I should look into that. Like, because mm-hmm. I know remember she got they they all got that flack for flying mm-hmm. private. But it's like, how are they supposed to fly commercial? True, especially after an announcement like that. Like, yeah. how are there no pictures of her? Yeah. You know what? That's I'll forgive it. I'll forgive that. Anyways, give them give them the space they need. Anyways. (laughs) So uh, the queen and the others apparently really want to work this out. Uh, The family um, want to figure out how exactly Harry, who is six in line to the throne and Meghan will continue to to support the queen while also working to become financially independent right now. Ninety five percent of their income comes from Prince Charles' estate. Also today. William and Prince Harry both denied and announced a report claiming Will and Kate's behavior in any way influenced Harry and Meghan's decision to step back from their royal duties. The article was suggesting that Kate and Will bullied them. Um, So basically they're refuting that, even though they did admit that they have sort of their relationship has changed in recent years. I think, I don't know if Will has ever said that, but Harry definitely has. I'm trying to think. I mean, yeah, Will didn't dispute it, but, um, Their offices wrote, despite clear denials, a false story ran in a UK newspaper today speculating about the relationship between the Duke of Sussex and the Duke of Cambridge. For brothers who care so deeply about the issues surrounding mental health, the use of inflammatory language in this way is offensive and potentially harmful. The Queen has also just released a statement about this whole situation after their call or their talk. I mean, Meghan Markle yeah, apparently called in. in. That's so funny. Yeah, I <laughs> love that. At least in the newsletter, she was like, that's such a baller move when you got to do your exit interview over Skype. Yeah. <laughs> Subscribe to the SEP newsletter if you don't. I don't know why you don't. You guys are ridiculous. You hear Elise on here and she's at betches.co slash SEP sign up. Yeah. Um, it's a great afternoon treat. So um, 
The Queen's release statement saying, although we would have preferred them to remain full-time working members of the royal family, we respect and understand their wish to live a more independent life as a family while remaining a valued part of my family. Um, the Queen wrote that they had a very constructive conversation. Yeah, I just was very struck struck by while remaining a valued part of my family. Well, it's interesting. I mean, I guess it's accurate, but... It's like you have to work full-time at being a family member. <laughs> yeah. It's like... Welcome to right. the, welcome to everyone else. Like it's oh, like, I, I mean, I have to work full time to yeah. try and remain part of my family. Right, right, yeah, <laughs> yeah. You can't really like leave a job and then be like, I'll come back a little bit. Although that is what the CEO of Away is doing. I was thinking oh, really? of that today. <laughs> my mind was like drawing parallels. But yeah, she like left and was like, actually, that wasn't. I that was too rash. I'm coming back. It's also it's like you know they're. Just because they're royal people doesn't mean they're not like independent human beings. Yeah, they can leave whatever situation that they yeah. are in. They're not. They're not like constrained yeah. uh, under anything. I'm to really remain. struggling with people. I mean, obviously there are outward blame blame placed on Megan by people that are mad about this decision. Yeah, but even people I know that are like obviously on her side. I mean, even suggesting that it's her side and not their side. It's like he's a grown ass man. He's like 35 years old. He has been saying he has said before that he doesn't love this. And like, it's shouldn't drag him out of it's it. It's also wild that this is going to be a thorn in their side when they've literally like covered up for Nazi sympathizers, uh-huh. um, pedophilia, affairs. It's like this is what bothers you. Right, right. I know somebody in the office was saying like, yeah, that's fine. But like, why did she bother have like the whole royal wedding and do any of it? I'm sure this came up at like the beginning. I envision it as like she was like, OK, cool. I'll be with you. But like if I want to go, we're going to go. And that has to be fine with you. And he was probably so in love with her that they're clearly very in love. That was like, I, yeah, of course. I also don't think that they nearly suspected that they would get this that's amount of true, scrutiny of and this amount of bad press be just because of, you know, the color of her skin pretty much. Yeah, there was the the article you sent me. I think this sort of started as like black women on Twitter highlighting the very obvious distinctions between like how certain things that um, Kate would do were covered and how things that Megan would do would mm-hmm. be covered. Like the biggest example was like touching their stomachs when they were pregnant. And it was mm-hmm. like, what's Megan doing? Is something wrong with the baby? Is she putting it through something where Kate's like, oh, look how cute. Yeah. And it then was there's like, the it was roundups this, of all of those. And yeah. it was the same publishers. It was wild. Yeah. And there's one where it's like, Kate Middleton really enjoys her avocados. <laughs> and then it's Megan Markle eating a cop go. She's like, how dare she eat something <laughs> that, that costs so, so much green gases to yeah. be released or whatever, greenhouse, whatever. And it's like, oh, my God, right, really? Right. And like, you know what? Fine. Have her, you have your free wedding. Great. Yeah. And then leave. I don't exactly. Care. Let her eat a fucking avocado. Right. Right. Everybody is not. Well, not everybody's parents pay for their wedding, but like, yeah, a lot of people let their parents pay for their wedding, even if they don't get along great. Why is Megan Markle yeah. any different? It's just so weird. It's it a, is. It's an odd situation. And but I'm it's really, such a fun story to have it, right now. It is. It's nice. And I'm also just like, I. they obviously can do so many great things yeah. for the world with their platforms. And also, you know, Prince Harry is probably traumatized from his past of his mother being killed because she was being hounded by the press. Yeah. When they released that statement, I think like after they had published that letter, he had said like, this makes me very scary. I don't want history to repeat itself. Well, or we, makes me scared. And we also, we have a great interview in our pat in one in our one of our previous episodes with uh, Tina Brown. Mm-hmm. Uh, she is the founder of the Women in World Summit, and she is also the creator and editor at large, I believe, at the Daily Beast. She mm-hmm. used to work at all these places. She's like, she's like, and she's British, right? She's yeah, English? she's British, and she's also she's like like uh, media royalty, basically. Yeah. 
Um, and she was very good friends with Princess Diana. And mm-hmm. she talks about that a little bit in our episode with her. Okay. Um, and she talks about the fact that the days like leading up to her death, she was like really sad and like kind of depressed because she couldn't, no one Aww. wanted to spend time with her because yeah. everywhere she went, they were pressed. So like no one wanted her at her And that was homes. after she had, they had, they weren't, she wasn't even with Prince She wasn't Charles. even in the royal family so anymore. So there's really no escape for Meghan. Like, yeah. So like I'm sure that, and, and Prince Harry saw the way his mother was treated and, and like even before she died. Yeah. So he's probably like, oh, fuck this. When you think about it, it's like this was going to happen in this, this dynamic eventually. Yeah. Like why not now? Why yeah. not? But exactly. Okay. Yeah, it's a fun story. Low mm-hmm. stakes. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know how low. Like I said, like I don't want to be too callous about it in case there are like devastated people about yeah. this. But <laughs> I mean, for us, it's fun. If you're devastated, true. Maybe like do a little bit of a reassessment. Yeah, look for yeah. <laughs> look, get a hobby. Maybe I was gonna say that, but yeah. I don't know if that was mean. <laughs> it, get I mean, a hobby that's not royal watching. It, do something exactly. with your hands. There yeah. you go. Knit. Hey, American Fever Dream listeners, I'm here to tell you that there is no reason to panic the next time you are searching for the perfect gift. Now you can use Gift Mode on Etsy. Gift Mode on Etsy is here to take the stress out of gifting so you can find the perfect item for anyone on any occasion. Now it's easier to find gifts made by independent sellers for all of the people in your life, like the pickleballers, I know plenty of those, the jazz fan, the artist, the pasta lover, whatever niche interest they have, you can find an incredible gift on Etsy. From 90s nostalgia and mixology to reality TV and gaming, there is something for everyone. There is so much pressure around gifting. I usually have a hard time thinking of gift ideas specifically for my dad, but my dad loves flying, he loves airplanes, he loves aviation, and he never gets sick of a cute little gift that has a reference to that. And the inventory for that on Etsy is incredible. I hope my dad lives for 200 years because I can get him a birthday present related to aviation or planes from Etsy for every single one of them, if not hundreds and hundreds of years more. There really is that much. A gifting moment is always around the corner, but whether it's a birthday, an anniversary, a holiday, or even just a day to say thank you, Gift Mode on Etsy has you covered. Need to find the perfect gift? Don't panic. Try Gift Mode on Etsy now. Shipping can make or break a sale, so optimize how you ship your orders with ShipStation. They make it easy to automate and manage orders no matter how big your business grows. And they might even be able to help reduce shipping and warehouse costs. So optimize and keep up your momentum for growth with ShipStation. Sign up for your free 60-day trial now at ShipStation.com and use the code P-O-D. That's ShipStation.com with the code P-O-D. Hey there, overwhelmed foodies. Are you drowning in a sea of meal kit options, feeling like you're in a bad dating game where every contestant looks the same, with the same fish picture? Fear not, because amidst the chaos, there's one shining star worth your culinary affection. Home Chef is not just another fish in the meal kit sea. They're the gourmet catch that you've been dreaming of. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes, conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify your cooking experience. Whether you prefer classic meal kits with pre-portioned ingredients and easy instructions, speedy recipes ready in less than 30 minutes, oven-ready kits with pre-chopped ingredients, or quick microwave meals that assemble in minutes, Home Chef has you and the entire family covered for delicious meals without the hassle. Home Chef has over 30 options a week, and they serve a variety of dietary needs, so you don't have to worry about what to make ahead of time. Not only is it convenient, but it is economical too. Home Chef customers save an average of $86 per month on groceries. So for a limited time, Home Chef is offering our listeners 18 free meals plus free shipping on your first box and free dessert for life at homechef.com slash feverdream. That's homechef.com slash feverdream for 18 free meals and free dessert for life homechef.com slash fever dream. You must be an active subscriber to receive free dessert. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? 
not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly, it's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. The main news. Okay. So there are still questions about what led up to the Trump administration's decision to assassinate the top Iranian military general, Qasem Soleimani, while Iran and other nations are mourning the death of 176 passengers. Iran admitted it accidentally shot out of the sky while on high alert following its strike on American forces in Iraq. That's, that's, I write some long sentences. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this story, man. What this do you mean? Is, that all came from your head. All, I it, don't know. It did. <laughs> it did. But I just didn't put any periods. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, I just did that verbatim. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah you knew this. We it don't have outlines. My, it came out of my head before. Yeah. yeah. I didn't bother. I need to think about that. Like, if you're going to say this sentence out loud, remember yeah. that you have to breathe. I'm yeah. like Trump making a speech. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> 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 uh, man. This story, we both follow the news really closely yeah I think a lot of people that listen do and it's not this sounds also callous but like it's not often that i get really 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 upset but this was one of those where this story is just an incomprehensible tragedy at during something so scary and upsetting while the world is literally on fire mm-hmm. it's just so hard to to understand to sort of understand what's i mean so let's let's look at the fa- facts to kind of help us yeah understand so Thousands of protesters are turning out after the country took responsibility for shooting down the jetliner and killing over 176 people on board. Um, they came from a number of nations. Uh, Iran, I think the majority was from Iran. I think it was about 82 people, mm-hmm. um, 57 Canadians. I'd also seen the number 63, but I've been seeing um, 57 lately. Mm-hmm. Um, about 10 Ukrainians, which were flight crew. Um, I'm not sure if there are any Ukrainian passengers other than the, the crew, um, people from European countries. I mean, we were saying on Friday, like, can you imagine if there was an American? I mean, Not that it would be less sad, but I just don't know what that what would happen. I don't know what would our happen. Our reactions would our, we probably would have had some sort of reaction. Yeah, you I know? think so. A like, bigger reaction. Trump then. would have done something crazy. Yeah, yeah. So there were a few days of like, what might have happened, and Iran was sort of maintaining for a few day, few days that there was a technical issue. Mm-hmm. And then I think it was Saturday that its leaders publicly acknowledged that. I'm going to read uh, what um, their president tweeted. Regrettably, missiles fired due to human error caused the horrific crash of the Ukrainian plane and death of 176 innocent people. Investigations continue to identify and prosecute this great tragedy and unforgivable mistake. So something it sounds like they are taking very seriously, obviously, said the country said that whoever is responsible will face legal consequences. And, you know, it really didn't seem like the Iranians were going to fess up to this. Right. Had, you know, President Zelensky of Ukraine, he said that um, had not for the foreign investigators like come in, had come in to investigate and they found pieces of a missile. They don't think that Iran would ever. Yeah. And there was a, I don't think they immediately let other agencies come in. And then they were like, we, we clearly, the black it, box was damaged. It, They're like, we clearly can't and figure also, out what happened. It also seemed like that there was some footage circulating oh. that perhaps could have shown a missile hitting that plane. Um, it's really hard to like verify stuff like that. Of course. But it did appear that they had, someone had filmed. Yeah. That that happened, and I think that's what's motivating the protests, right? Is that people are like, "This was a cover up." You would they think that you would have lied had this never yeah. happened, which would have made all Iranians less safe yeah. with what with what could have happened. But we were talking about this, I think, on Thursday about 
I think by Thursday there was speculation that's what might have happened. And mm-hmm. I think we already said, like, they were on high alert. They thought that the U.S. – they had just – Iranian forces had just attacked um, – um, a base where troops were in Baghdad and yeah. they were obviously on high alert expecting or anticipating some sort of retaliation. Um, they had these mobile missile things. <laughs> yeah. This is where I read things and I feel like, an, I'm like, I, oh God, I wish I knew more about like military artillery, but they had these Russian made missiles that they were able to sort of, they, they were somewhat mobile. They could move around. So I guess they anticipated attacks on the airport. Yeah. And the Iranian military statement said that the plane, the Ukrainian airliner, took the flying posture and altitude of an enemy target. Mm. Also, we don't know if that's true, true or not. Or, um, But, you know, they said they're taking undertaking major reform. I think one of the leaders of the forces said that he wished he were dead. Um, yeah. And that's what their people are protesting now, that this was a cover up and that, you know, they, they believe that it was unintentional, but the covering up wasn't and the lying was intentional. And yeah, what an unbelievably bad way for this to and carry I, on. It's it's so what it's so upsetting. And what makes it even more upsetting is that this obviously was not something that needed to happen. You know, like had, you know, there been like an appropriate channel or, you know, pass to, you know, diplomacy with Iran as opposed to you know like we had that we had the Iran nuclear deal things were working out things were getting better and you know our president decided to rip that up pull pull out of it and then kill one of their top generals you mm-hmm. know had all of that not I mean you know it's hard to like you know it's like the butterfly effect yeah you know you can't really like know how certain things will turn out regardless of course, yeah but the circumstances were created because of our president. And yeah. I don't feel like there's like, I there's no way you can't really place blame, but there's no way to deny that. Yeah, I think Iranian leaders have said that they blame U.S. adventurism. There's a guy that runs a big company in Canada, a big CEO that, um, I usually don't take like what CEOs have to say with, with too much, but um, who lost, who's his colleague, somebody that works there, lost his wife and 11-year-old son, and he straight up blamed the United States. Yeah. As we were just saying, like, can you imagine if there was an American? If there were Americans, I'm sure there would be people in the streets blaming Trump for what happened. Yeah, totally. Um, and Trump would be calling it an attack on his own people, despite the fact that, you know, a, Ron- a lot of Iranians died. Yeah. Um, yeah. So now there are, Iranians are demanding accountability. And this comes after... So at the end of last year, there were big protests in Iran that ended up uh, 180 people died. Um, protesters and riot police. Basically, they were it started off as a protest against escalating or rising gas prices. The economy is obviously really struggling in large part due to like U.S. sanctions. Mm-hmm. Um, so a lot of Iranians were already angry with the government. And um, at least 100 people were killed in the last crackdown, 2,000 wounded, 7,000 detained. So obviously when there are protests in Iran, especially this, since this happened so quickly, there's everybody's on on high alert. So I'm sure those are part of motivating the protests too. Like, mm-hmm. And this is just a week after, you know, millions I read turned out yeah. in a lot of unity over the death of, of Soleimani. I mean, I had a lot of Iranians write into us saying, please don't think that we all feel this way. Yeah. Um, you really can't generalize Um but it does seem like these aren't two totally separate groups. The yeah. people that um, obviously Iran has alienated people that it's citizens that it had the unequivocal support of, um, you know, mere days ago. It seems also that Iranians are more aware of that. This is like a protest about against our president and not America, American civilians in general. Like I saw a clip of them, someone saying that explicitly and be like, we hate your president. We don't hate America. Right. Um, and stuff like that. 
And Trump tweeted at Iran, basically saying the world is watching and said, don't kill your protesters. He also said something about, you know, let the press roam free. Yeah. Which is ironic because he always calls the press the enemy of the people. Um, And, you know, totalitarian governments take that as, you know, a a go ahead to sometimes attack their own press people. Because if Mm -hmm. the leader of the the, the free world says the press Mm -hmm. is the enemy of the people, sometimes they will like well he said it's okay right absolutely um yeah Yeah, and so there's some obviously watching that closely there are some reports from um from some organizations that there is already some tear gas and live ammunition being used um so it could become a dangerous situation but also looking at you know lots of there were protests over the weekend too in australia it's really inspiring to see so many people like demanding more of their leaders and like demanding answers um even as a result of of something so tragic so if you're out there stay safe we're thinking about you and so you know we're still trying to figure out trump's justification for um these this attack on kasem uh, Kasem soleimani and so last week after a classified briefing for members of congress many walked away very frustrated we played that clip of mike lee last week um basically saying that the trump like, and they're trying to figure out if the Trump administration followed the rules or acted too rashly. And so Trump was on Fox News talking to Laura Ingram, and he claimed that Soleimani was planning to blow up the U.S. embassy in Baghdad and also that he was going after four embassies. He specifically said, Soleimani was actively planning new attacks, and he was looking for very seriously at our embassies and not just the embassy in Baghdad. He wanted to say, I can reveal that I believe it probably would have been four embassies. There's a lot of hyperbole. Yeah, because the specific question that is being asked of of the Trump administration and Trump is like, did you have intelligence of an imminent attack, of an imminent threat? Like they keep keep claiming. And they seem to be manipulating the fact that Iran is always a threat. Yeah. Or certain people in Iran are always a threat. And there are people with there are certain people that are always. a threat. Yeah. Soleimani is one of them. Like, of course, like he's always planning things. Yeah. But what I've heard is that lawmakers are struggling to find administration officials are, are struggling to sort of present evidence that confirms that there was actual intelligence saying attacks on multiple embassies were going to happen. And I'm sure this is like, this happens in Homeland all the time when like Carrie's like really sure something's going to happen, but like she can't really yeah. present it correctly. So, but um, I was wondering, thinking about Homeland the other day, did it finish? No, there's another season. Okay. I'm, I still watch Homeland. I, me too. And I was like, wait, was there it a finale? It went away for what a happened? really long time. It went away after the last season where she like ends up in the spoiler. Sorry, what oh, happened? No, no, no. Sean's looking at me. I won't say. Okay. But the, Are you but watching the Homeland? the last season ends on like sort of a cliffhanger. I love watching it. I, lo- I watched so the season where they were in Germany like five times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um. Anyway. So Carrie Matheson can't seem to find intelligence <laughs> that says that we, so that's, I think that's why we keep saying this, this, we believe, like uh-huh. we believed it. And they seem to think that's the same thing as like, people believe a lot of things that aren't going to happen. You know, I, like just that statement alone, like I it's believe so it probably, what? No. Right. That's not how it works, man. To, to his credit, I don't think Trump has said, uh, I had intelligence that told me for I don't embassies. think he's, anyone's ever claimed he has intelligence. No, I don't think. <laughs> 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 but um, yeah, and I feel like that was like probably like the smoothest thing that he has ever said. I can reveal that I believe that probably it would have been. <laughs> <laughs> so after that, like a number of officials told outlets that they're like we were just saying, like, yeah, there was vague information. There might be an attack on the Baghdad embassy. 
But Mark Esper, he's the defense secretary. He's one of few uh, national security people that actually has a full-time job. Most of them uh-huh. are vacant right now. And we or have acting, acting which, yeah. is te- which is really scary. The list is terrifying. Fun fact about Mark Esper, former contractor for uh, military people. Really? Like for like weapons and such. Um, and so or, he you know, has... Why would he want to go to war? Yeah. Why? And he, yeah. he's also the one that wouldn't commit to going back to his old job after leaving oh my God, as that's defense right. secretary. That's right. Yeah. Oh my God, that's that dude. Oh, it's yep. always fun when they come back around. Mm-hmm. So he was on CBS Face the Nation with Margaret Brennan and she was like, did you, he says that there was intelligence on this. What do you think? Let's play that clip. Why was well, there a difference? What the president said was he believed that it probably and could have been attacks against additional embassies. I shared that view. I know other members of the national security team shared that view. That's why I deployed thousands of American paratroopers to the Middle East to reinforce our embassy in Baghdad and other sites throughout the region. Probably and could have been. That mm-hmm. is, that sounds more like an assessment than a specific, tangible threat with a, a decisive piece of intelligence. Well, the president didn't say there was a tangible, uh, he didn't cite a specific piece of evidence. What he said is he probably, he believed. Are you saying there wasn't been, one? I didn't see one with regard to four embassies. What I'm saying is I share the president's view that probably my expectation was they were going to go after our embassies. There's a lot of, uh, there's yeah. a lot of, uh, you know. It was hard for me to find the exact clip where he says, I didn't have. The yeah. evidence or something. There's, he a, was lot on of, a, bunch there's of a lot of probabilies and believes and maybes. You know, the exact sort of terminology you want to hear when you're starting a, a, a war. Right. Um, that was sarcasm, guys. Right. And I don't know. It is cuckoo. It's you really know, scary. They could. I was listening to someone say this and they like, they, they, their, their line of defense could literally just be, you know, Soleimani was responsible for a lot of American deaths. He he was deemed a terrorist. We found a great opportunity to take him out. We thought it would be worth the risk. Or something, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. something along those lines. I think that might make it illegal is the problem. So they're trying oh. to, like, finagle the wording. But I, I maybe not, like, there are different standards for, like, what we consider. I think the issue is, like, calling him a terrorist. Like, they call him a terrorist. But, and whether, and we do consider that group of terrorist organization, mm-hmm. but he's also, it's tricky because he's also like a, a government official for a sovereign. You know, he's not in al-Baghdadi where like he wasn't really part of government. Yeah. Um, I don't know. It is all a mess. It's it, really, I know I say everything's scary, but like when we can't believe what they're saying mm-hmm. because they are not consistent and they and, lie. And they're not even giving press co- press briefings right press like like we said like in the beginning they're yeah. not they're not they're, like, they're not even telling us right and it's why and, do you why would you even bother like doing your job well if you're never going to talk to your boss and your boss is the american people yeah like i guess the elect you have like what you have one-on-ones every four years I, like, it, it is it is kind of frightening though to yeah. think imagine this is what he's like when he still has another term to win you know what i mean <laughs> yeah like God forbid he becomes oh a two-term God. president. God, Trump gonna, without another race to win is really terrifying. He's, exactly. He's going to be like, okay, whatever. I'll do whatever the fuck I want. I don't care if I win re-election because I'm not up for re-election. Oh, I was writing to um, Irene, one of our writers this morning, asking her to look to do something on like big 2020 Senate races because obviously Senate, the Senate matters. But I was writing to her. I literally wrote like trigger warning if Trump gets reelected. <laughs> yeah. I was like, we need if I'm going to bring up that prospect, I need to make sure people are mentally prepared. I texted you guys. Yeah, I had yeah. a nightmare where this is what I dream about, guys, that um, Trump won reelection and we lost the house. Yikes. And then I was that like, can't happen. and I was like, oh, and I woke up and I was like sweating. <laughs> Yeah. Like I think some I think I, there wasn't like anything else happening in my dream. I just that was the knowledge that I was aware of and I was just like walking around. Yeah. And it was <laughs> Those are funny ones. Those are the most yeah. confusing ones. Yeah, cuz I was thinking like if we 
if he stays in, he will do impeachable offenses again. Exactly. And if we win the Senate and keep the House, we could actually get him out. Yeah, totally. So we have to win the Senate. We have to win the Senate either way, because as we have learned, like every time I'm in here and we're like, the House passed this. It's like, well, yeah, exactly. Like, well, nothing for now. Now Now it sits around until Mitch McConnell takes gun control, voters, voter like protections. Right. Yeah. All of that is sitting on Mitch McConnell's desk. Yeah. Should we move on to something less terrifying? Yeah. Well, but this is still we'll kind see. of terrifying. Yeah. Um, it's our election section. <gasps> the Iowa caucuses are three weeks away. I can't I'm not ready, it. even though we've been talking about it for so long. I this will know. be the first vote finally cast in the 2020 presidential election. I think. I feel like there's some way I could be a little bit wrong. Like maybe actually absentee ballots have probably gone out. Yeah. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. Plus the caucus isn't really. I'm officially a New York resident as uh, of last amazing, year. Yeah. Uh, like like towards the end of last year. So I'll be, I'll be for the first time I'll be voting in the New York primary. Me too. We should all go together. Ooh, what yeah. day of the week is it? We got to look that up. I have no idea. We should I do a live, it's a, a live set podcast. Yeah. That's true. Um. So yeah, they'll be held on February 3rd. The Iowa caucuses, uh, they're, they're happening. They're the first big thing, like we said. And um, so... There's this poll done by Des Moines Register. Um, I think it's also in with CNN. And you would know, Brian's yeah. like, <laughs> I have a problem. He's obsessed guys. with polls. Did you see the poll? There's a new poll. But no, did you see this poll? That's I know. that poll. And then you have like the entire like history of that poll's biases. I and really thought that I would have spots. been more scarred from the 2016 election. But for some reason, I can't stop looking the at them. The fluctuations are fun to look at too. Yeah, they are. Yeah. I don't know what it is about it. It like, I don't know what it's it like is. Like you just weigh yourself for fun. Exactly. <laughs> that's really what it really. Like, why would you ever like. do that? And so this is a big poll because yeah. it's. I think it's the last one before the caucus and or this ends upcoming debate. So it it has Bernie Sanders with a lead at with a narrow lead at twenty percent. Liz Warren is next at seventeen percent. Then Buttigieg at sixteen, and then Biden at fifteen. After that, there's a drop off to Klobuchar at six percent, Yang five, Booker three percent. We'll get to Booker in a second. The reason I wanted to include those guy, those four, uh, I mean those other ones, Klobuchar, Yang, and etc., is because of the way the Iowa caucus is 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 run. You know, you if you if your candidate that you are supporting in your caucus in the caucus gets less than fifteen percent of the vote, then you have to revote. Yeah, for one of the, the people room. that got 15% And that's, I think, what is fun about it is people convince each other to, like, come over and exactly. people get outfits. And so when you look at these top four with their, with the, they're all within the margin of error, respectively. And, you know, Klobuchar has 6%. Yang has 5%, you know? Yeah. Those, and when it's this tight, it's a really tight race, you know? Mm-hmm. Like... You don't know. I mean, can you imagine? Biden's at 15%. What if Biden doesn't get 15% on Tuesday? I I bet you that there's places he's not going to get 15%. For sure. For sure. You're right. And like, you know, Davenport or like the more like, uh, the only reason I said Davenport is because that's, there's, it's like a very hipster, like liberal area. I've actually gone there like twice for like, like on on tour, money to go on like tour musicians. Was like, I loved it actually. Yeah, I went to Des Moines and it was like actually sort of diverse, and mm-hmm. they were like, "This is not what it's actually like, though." Yeah, yeah. for like the majority of Iowa. Right, right. I think Iowa is actually ninety percent white and also on average older than the general population. And I think we've discussed this on a podcast. That's those are some of the reasons why people have issues with the Iowa caucus and think that maybe it's not the best way to start off the race. I mean, historically, I was looking it up again today, and I think about fifty percent of the time, whoever wins Iowa becomes the candidate. But it's what was also that percentage? pretty I'm sorry, I half. It. Okay, it's also pretty known for like bringing 
I mean, I think we all know like Iowa and Obama and Iowa. That's when people were like, oh, okay. I, yeah. Because people already liked him. Yeah. But they didn't know if he could win. And then when he won that, he sort of became like a yeah. real candidate. So they're big. I mean, you can see a scenario where like, say Buttigieg wins Iowa. Ugh. Sorry. Yang could, if Yang were doing better and he could win Iowa. <laughs> Who knows? I've donated wild. to Mayor Pete. I didn't mean to do that. Such an UG, a guttural UG. It was just. We it have was a my pretty reaction. a pretty range of support in this crew, despite what some of you may think. Um, and uh, well, it's kind of like it's the 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 makeup of Iowa is going to be kind of like the Democratic debate tomorrow night, no. which is a hundred percent white as opposed to ninety percent white. Um, and I feel like the population is a little older there. The yes, <laughs> definitely. I know. Today was Cory Booker. Today Booker dropped out, and yeah. he. I think he might be older than Andrew Yang. Definitely, obviously older than Pete. Yeah. Um. Uh, yeah. yeah, so Andrew Yang's out. So Cory Booker. Yeah, and Gore, Cory Booker's out. Andrew Don't Yang say is, Andrew Yang. The Yang gang will come I know, for us. I mean, he's, I meant to say he's not in the debate. <laughs> I know, he's not in the debate. So who's in sucks. the debate is Joe Biden, Bernie Sanders, Elizabeth Warren, Mayor Pete Buttigieg, who is no longer a mayor, mm-hmm. um, Amy Klobuchar, and Tom Steyer, which is interesting. Um, Steyer is now polling at 15% and 12% in South Carolina and Nevada, Respectively, which, which respectively, which basically proves you can buy elections, yeah, like it's crazy. Amanda wrote here, fifteen percent in Iowa, or excuse me, South Carolina. Yeah, that's nuts. He must be there, and you—they show how much money that Tom Steyer and Michael Bloomberg are buy, are paying for ads and commercials compared to literally everyone else, yeah. and it is such a drop off. Yeah, it's after like a, them. it's like close to like hundred fifty million for Bloomberg, and then and then um, Steyer a little less, and then. Bernie's at like 10 million. Yeah. And then the next is like 5 million and 4 million. It's wild. I think um, Bloomberg did say today that if he loses, if he loses the nomination, then he'll like direct his supporters and stuff to help the nominee, which he got a little bit of praise for that. But like, that's what you do. <laughs> that's that's how it works. I mean, unless you're like Jill Stein. I yeah, don't know. exactly. Or, I would or, hope. Um, what's her face? Tulsi Gabbard. Yeah. Um, and so that'll be interesting tomorrow. So it's it, it's another debate and it's. Getting down to the wire and we can see that, you know, in the beginning of these debates and just the whole overall process, everyone was a little bit more like friendly and like nice and just trying to get their point across. But we are starting to see some splintering and some attacks, if you will. And that's like what leads us into like what potentially is happening between Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren. Oh, sad. Yeah, yeah they'd gone like a whole year of like a a peace accord. As- mm-hmm. But that seems to be ending. Apparently, the Sanders campaign was using kind of a frosty script uh, when it was having volunteers call potential voters about Elizabeth Warren. Mm-hmm. The script asked people to say, I like Elizabeth Warren. This part was optional if you wanted to say, I like Elizabeth Warren. <laughs> no, the, no, the next part was, in fact, she's my second choice. Okay. I think that was the optional part. But what part. if you didn't like Elizabeth Warren? Yeah. I guess that you were like, you have well, to say it. it they, had the, they had the other uh, talking points for every other candidate, and they all started with, I like Joe Biden. Right, right. I like Pete sense. Buttigieg. Because right. you don't want to like, they do say that, yeah. yeah. In fact, she's my second choice, but here's my concern. And then they were instructed to say, people who support her are highly educated, more affluent people who are going to show up and vote Democratic no matter what. And she's bringing no new bases to the Democratic Party. Warren responded, got wind of this and responded that she was disappointed, saying uh, that Sanders was sending out volunteers to trash me. So she went directly, blamed him for this, that he was, or maybe she said the campaign, but that I think it was that Sanders... Yeah. Was sending out volunteers to trash her. And she said, I hope Bernie reconsiders and turns his campaign in a different direction. And then she had like a big dig. She said, we all saw the impact of factionalism in 2016 and we can't have another repeat of that sort of implying Mm -hmm. that 
maybe Bernie's run in some way might have compromised a Clinton victory, which is still a popular theory in some, yeah. among some people. And um, just like to, oh, Sanders responded. He said, we have hundreds of employees. Elizabeth Warren has hundred employees and people sometimes say things that they shouldn't. She is a very good friend of mine. No one is going to trash Elizabeth Warren. Um, yeah, I mean. He just kept saying she's a friend of mine without defending or like, I don't know. I feel like he could do more. I'm sorry. Yeah. He could have, he always could have done more to like, there's no way he doesn't know how his supporters treat people. Totally. In certain places. Not all of them and not yeah. in all places. Yeah. But it is not like, it can be an alienating experience. Totally. And I don't know. I, it's also just like, I, you don't want to say everything is sexism because then it kind of like goes it, it like if her supporters were doing something like that, she would be. I mean, that's what I was just thinking, because I was just saying like, oh, I want Bernie to take more responsibility for the way that his campaign is treating. Warren. Yeah. But I don't know if like, do I want if other campaigns were doing that? Well, it's like, OK, so there was that viral clip of Elizabeth Warren dancing and she oh, looks right. like she, she looks like a little like dorky. Yeah. Good for her. Whatever. She's having fun. It doesn't rub me in any sort of way. Um, I actually kind of find it endearing, but whatever. And people were like shitting on her for that. And basically, and then Cory Booker actually was like, um, he tweeted something about the lines. He's like, I wonder why people pick on Elizabeth Warren for this when no one picks on me for all my bad dad jokes. Raise your hand if you think you know why. And it's true. It's, she is, I think she's under a certain amount of, extra scrutiny and you can you know that because people poll this they ask how they feel about a woman running for president and people feel less comfortable with it than they do a man and that's just a fact yeah and there was even a news story that came out today um it, it came from a new york unnamed source claiming that sanders and warren had had some conversation in 2018 in which sanders had implied he didn't think a woman um could win and he almost immediately issued a statement that uh, I'm going to read in response to that. It is ludicrous to believe that at the same meeting where Elizabeth Warren told me she was going to run for president, I would tell her that a woman couldn't win. It's sad that three weeks before the Iowa caucus and a year after that private conversation, staff who weren't in the room are lying about what happened. What I did say that night was that Donald Trump is a sexist, a racist, and a liar who would weaponize whatever he could. Do I believe a woman can win in 2020? Of course. After all, Hillary Clinton beat Trump by 3 million votes in 2016. Uh, Warren's communication director declined to comment in response to that. So it looks like when mm-hmm. I, I guess if this, if the, if the source for that is somebody that spoke with Warren or spoke with somebody in that room, then it sounds like yeah. that was a response to the Warren campaign. So this is getting, this, yeah. this is getting I messy. think, and also, you know, like we said, Bernie was just leading in that Iowa poll. I think we're going to see more attacks on Bernie now that we haven't really seen before. You know, I don't think people have really like come for Bernie. I don't think they have because I I don't think and this is finally a story that the the media is massively underestimating the possibility of of Bernie as the nominee. Mm -hmm. And I think that's that's why. Yeah. Because he's also very likable. Yeah, I think. I think. So like like, I don't want to. Right. Right. I don't have. I really don't have a candidate. I I, I'm not that moved by like individuals. Mm -hmm. I'm so cynical that I don't believe anybody's really as great as they claim. So I'm sort of. But so I'm not, I don't know. I'm not like anti-Bernie, pro-Bernie, anti-Liz, pro-Liz. It's just, like I said, it doesn't bother me. This script doesn't bother me. Yeah, totally. But, and I, it also doesn't bother me that the Warren campaign might've said, well, you know what? Let's make it a thing. Yeah. That also doesn't bother me. Totally. That's the game. Um, also back to like, just like, like, you know, talking about like June, we need to have a winner. 
I don't know. And like, you know, I was happening last, last election in 2016, there were only really two candidates, you know, it was Bernie and Hillary. And so I feel like we won't, we might not even after Iowa have a clear winner, mm-hmm. even if no, New Hampshire, no, yeah. clear winner and so on and so forth. Maybe after it's gonna, South Carolina, cause I think South Carolina is the, is when you really get a sense of like where the African-American vote would go. Yeah. So it's just, it's, it'll be interesting to see how this all plays out because I don't know if we've had so many like people going yeah. at it. Moving on to one more thing about America, even though people seem to forget. A 5.9 magnitude earthquake shook southwestern Puerto Rico on Saturday in the morning. It was the strongest since last week's 6.4 earthquake. More than 2,000 tremors have occurred since December 28th. 6,000 people are without power, which is a crazy amount. And also, like, a lot of people that died after Maria died as as a result of there being lost power. It wasn't all just the initial storm um, killing people. 4,000 people are still in shelters. Many are sleeping outside because after like a series of earthquakes, people don't know what's going on with mm-hmm. the structure of their homes and it's not safe to go back in. It's and obviously very hot there. They also don't know if there's going to be aftershocks. aftershocks. Yeah. 8,000 in shelters. There's already at least $110 million of damage. I'm sorry. I feel like these numbers are meaningless because there's so much millions and billions of dollars of yeah. damage as a result of disaster in the world right now. But this is America and these are Americans. And Trump has not even signed a major disaster declaration, which would free up... Um, which would allow us to give them more resources for the power grid, building inspections, individual assistance. There is one thing that he has signed that has freed up FEMA resources. Um, but I was reading even the FEMA folks down there, like, we don't think he's going to give us anything else. We're just yeah. trying to fix this. Because also, the island also still hasn't received more than $18 billion in federal funding that was designated by Congress after Hurricane Maria struck more than two years ago. The funding's just held up. And whenever yeah. I read these stories, like, why? It's always hard to figure out why. It's because the administration is just like, we don't, we're trying to make sure it all goes where it's supposed to go. Because we're spending $2 trillion on $2 the military. Tr- right, right, yes. And $18 billion for Americans that don't have power and are stuck outside of their homes. And this money that we said should go to them a long time ago is still held up. And not even yeah. just Puerto Rico. I had someone write up and saying, like, that money actually refers to, like, surrounding areas, too, like the Virgin Islands, mm-hmm. that aren't getting the money yeah. <laughs> that they were promised to rebuild. And, I mean, yeah, quakes are probably going to, like... Clearly, Puerto Rico needs some major infrastructure, and there are issues that can't withstand these types of disasters, and it doesn't really seem like the best strategy to just put Band-Aids on these things when they happen. Totally. Um, Yes. We'll be watching that closely. Yeah, it's scary. Um, And so make sure you guys tune in on Thursday. We'll be talking uh, some post-debate stuff, um, and I'm sure whatever crazy fucking nonsense happens between now and then. Yeah. Um, and as always, remember to rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast. Yes. It really helps us reach um, new listeners and grow our podcast and get even better guests. And truly, it does make a huge difference. Yep. Until the end of democracy, I'm Amanda Duberman. I'm Brian Russell Smith. And this is the Betches Up Podcast. This episode of the Betches Up Podcast is hosted by Amanda Duberman. And Brian Russell Smith. The Sup is created by Sammy Fishbein. The show is produced by Amanda Duberman. Our editor is Sean Kilby. Our podcast managers are Mike Coscarelli and Sean Kilby. Social media by Amanda Duberman. The newsletter is written by Elise Morales. Artwork by Brittany Levine. And be sure to follow us at at Betches underscore Sup on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. And send your emails to sup at Betches.com. Betches.